You are listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series hosted by Tatenda Musinahama. Welcome to the conversation. With me today is Ms. Taruna Naidu from the Center for Human Rights. I'm going to ask her to introduce herself. Thank you, Tatenda, and it's a pleasure to feature on this episode of the podcast. So my name is Taruna Naidu, and I am a multidisciplinary artist and human rights academic who is currently working at the Center for Human Rights between the SOGESC unit, which is the Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity and Expression and Sex Characteristics unit, as well as with the Communications and Advocacy unit. My work primarily focuses around intersectionalities between creating advocacy campaigns that that highlight the issues that marginalized communities are facing. And it's marginalized communities across the spectrum. So not just LGBTIQ plus people, but as well as LGBTIQ plus refugees and migrants, as well as LBQ women. And for the benefit of our listeners, I'd like you all to know that this podcast is in light of the hashtag Tech for Rights campaign, which is the annual campaign for the Center for Human Rights. And our campaign goes as hashtag Tech for Rights, rethinking a human-based approach to new technologies in Africa. So in today's episode, we'll basically be looking at the report on current practices in conversion therapy, emerging technology, and the protection of LGBTQ plus rights in Africa. So Tiruna, I understand that the SOGS unit was very pivotal and central in making sure that this report sees the light of day. Can you please give or explain what gaps in, in your research the conversion therapy report seeks to address. Can you give an overview of the findings of this report? So this report forms part of the Center's Tech for Rights campaign, and we started working on it because of the surge of technological advancements in the last two decades has had a major impact on our society in an unprecedented manner. We see the effect in the transformation that is occurring in the shifts within healthcare delivery, access to education, coordination of protests, engagement in warfare, and several other examples. The effect of technology has also been felt in both the creation of opportunities for and harmful effects on LGBTQ plus persons across the world. Conversion therapy is one of these intersections that now exists between the impact of technology and the rights of LGBTQ plus persons. And I think over the years, the harmful effects of conversion therapy on human dignity and mental and emotional health have been well documented. And this report has been prepared as a contribution to the conversation by looking at the nature of conversion therapy in Africa and the forms it takes as well as the effects. It provides an analysis on why conversion therapy is considered a human rights violation and the reasons why it should be prohibited globally. It also highlights the threat of emerging technologies and the impact these could potentially have in creating a more evolved high-tech version of conversion therapy. So we wanted to be forward-thinking in how we can approach eradicating the broader harmful practice of conversion therapy, but also by looking at new opportunities that have been created by technological advancements and how we can build legislation, build policy that addresses these issues before they pick up more momentum in society. And why do you think there's a prevailing view that there is something inherently wrong with LGBTIQ plus persons? Where's this type of thinking rooted in? And do you think that 
this is the motivation behind conversion therapy? Well, unfortunately, we know that we are living in a time where Africa specifically is recovering from the impacts of colonial legal systems that were deployed in our region that constructed this narrative around gender and sexuality that was restrictive and exclusionary towards any form of non-heteronormative identities. And I think the use of conversion therapy specifically was developed as a mechanism to sort of regulate people who are deviating from heteronormative norms and ideals that are upheld and rewarded in society. So I think a big part of the problem is this notion of what it means to be a heterosexual person of a specific gender identity or expression. And anyone who deviates from that seems to be confronted at different points in their life with various issues. And conversion therapy is one way that different societies and particularly religious communities take, take action in this form to try and regulate and promote those heteronormative ideals and values in their societies and communities. So what are the different Maybe I should start by asking, what is conversion therapy, right? What are the different forms of conversion therapy and why are these a violation of human rights? So conversion therapy is a broad term which refers to therapy techniques or other activities that attempt to change or alter sexual orientation or reduce a person's attraction to other persons of the same sex and instill conventional gender roles. And it's based on the premise that homosexuality is some sort of disease, addiction, or religious aberration, even though all major medical and psychiatric organizations agree that LGBTQ plus identities are a normal aspect of human diversity. Conversion therapy may also be pursued by family members or individuals who are concerned that being LGBTQ plus will make an individual's life more difficult within society. For the purposes of this report, we refer to conversion therapy in a broad sense to include a host of other social cultural practices outside of psychological therapies performed in an attempt to alter sexual orientation or reduce the attraction to others of the same sex. And due to the nature of conversion therapy, activities or practices, um, it has harmful effects on an individual who has undergone one of one or multiple of these forms of conversion therapy. And it's often done in a setting where there isn't agency between the person who the therapy is performed on as opposed to the people who are performing these practices on the person. So I think where it becomes a touchy subject and where it becomes a human rights violation is when you look at the lack of consent and the experience of harmful and degrading treatment, um, which can also manifest into various forms of physical violence, you know, beyond just the emotional and mental harm. And what forms of digital technologies are you used in the practice of conversion therapy? So when it comes to digital technologies, the development of social media and video streaming websites have been weaponized to reach young LGBTQ plus people. And often these accounts and videos have misleading titles which are designed to lure young people in with the promise of wholesome content, only to then display messages promoting conversion and discrimination. Sites including Facebook and YouTube also display ads for groups promoting or offering conversion therapy services to people who 
show interest in LGBTQ plus content. And the way the internet works today and the use of social media can be designed to strategically promote messages of discouraging young LGBTQ plus people from expressing any form of same-sex desire um, or affirming their gender identity. And I think this is very dangerous because um, the influence it has over impressionable young people and the reach it has is not regulated. And some conversion therapy service providers have gone as far as creating um, applications which are available on your various mobile devices that are centered around undergoing a form of re-socialization that discourages you from having same-sex attractions. And these apps have become more prominent over the years. And in areas where there is already resistance to same-sex desire, same-sex intimacy, and there isn't legal protection for people of sexual and gender minorities, they can wreak havoc on society by affirming those resistant attitudes and beliefs towards LGBTQ plus people. And youth in particularly are especially vulnerable to these digital, these digital interventions by groups that are promoting anti-same-sex relations. So now let's make an analysis of some of the legal frameworks that are existing and what they say about the the issue of conversion therapy. So subsection E of principle 10 of the Yogyakarta principle espouses that states should prohibit any practice allowing intrusive and irreversible treatments against LGBTIQ plus persons. And the different forms of digital technologies you have mentioned are seemingly non-invasive and non-intrusive. How does one reconcile the law with involving forms of technology that appear to conform to the laws and yet remain harmful in their effects? Well, I think when it comes to this question, it's important to note that um, most states create laws that are designed for the society the societal norms that currently exist. And in a state where there isn't specific protection or prevention mechanisms in place through legal policies and regimes that try to protect LGBTQ plus persons, there may not be that commitment and dedication towards looking at intersecting policies that will then start to impact and have an effect on LGBTQ plus persons' rights. So I think when it comes to this specific issue, the question of consent is not one that can be easily dealt with. Because when you look at the premise of a person who exists in a society that is resistant towards the recognition and protection for the rights of LGBTQ plus persons. In what sense can that person consent towards something in a way that it is, how can I put this? What I'm trying to say is that um, it is not consent if if there is a fear for someone's life and for their physical and mental and emotional well-being. If you have a fear because of being an LGBTQ plus person that you may not be protected or you may be more at risk or at danger to encountering some form of violence or harm. Consenting to undergo a conversion therapy practice does not come from a place of having free will. It comes out of a fear because you do not essentially have that choice because it's not an equal society or a free and fair space for you to exist in. Like you have been 
socially manipulated into making that decision based on the context of the environment you live in. At the beginning of the report, right, it it comes across as though conversion therapy is often like um, something that is physically invasive and physically intrusive. And yet technology is not necessarily physically invasive or intrusive. So how do we reconcile that? It's more like psychological. The impact is psychological as opposed to physical. Yeah, so that's yeah, but yeah. I think I think one of the main things we wanted to highlight is that um, one form of conversion therapy will have multiple impacts on an individual. So any form of physical violence you experience will also create psychological harm and trigger an emotional and mental response that is centered around trauma and fear. So I think part of part of part of the issue is that um, conversion therapy practices, whether invasive or non-invasive, will have multiple harmful effects on an individual that will go beyond just being physical. It will be psychological in the nature of how it impacts the individual. And because of that, any intervention, any legal intervention, needs to be mindful of the impact that different forms of conversion therapy can have on an individual. And I think it also needs to take into consideration that as so much of our interactions as society now moves online and into the digital space, the digital space has a very big impact on how people socially perceive themselves, but also how people build national identity, how people do social organizing across the digital space. We are coming to a point where your digital footprint cannot be removed from your physical footprint. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, yes, it it does. It does. And so, Tarina, thank you so much for that um, comprehensive explanation and summary of what the report on conversion therapy is about. Could you please give your recommendations or concluding remarks? Thank you so much, Tatenda. Well, I'd like to say that we condemn the continuous use of conversion therapies in all forms and strongly recommend states to consider reviewing discriminatory laws that can trigger violence and human rights violations against LGBTQ plus persons. We believe that um, society and states across the continent can benefit from enacting laws to ban coercive conversion therapies and implement policies that discourage non-coercive conversion therapies, with a particular focus on the use of conversion therapy practices on minors perceived to be sexual or gender minorities. Beyond that, we feel as if it's very important for national human rights institutions to establish a reporting process for informing the institution on abuses resulting from conversion therapies. Part of the problem is that because there isn't a wide-scale understanding of what conversion therapy practices are and how they're harmful to people. Sometimes it's difficult to report on and to begin collecting data on these violations because there is not a general understanding of what constitutes a form of conversion therapy practices. And I think it's very important for um, civil society to promote awareness of the harmful effects and human rights violations of conversion therapies in relevant health gender and human rights programs in order to ensure that affected communities have access to the language and understanding so that they can begin to speak out and build a 
conventional understanding as to different forms of conversion therapy practices that exist within the communities in order to ensure that we all begin working together, whether you work for a civil society organization or a national human rights institution, or even if you work for a government department, we build programs that are designed to target what is currently happening, as well as design policies that can be implemented, which take into consideration what are the current trends and emerging practices, as well as who is vulnerable, you know, in this situation. Thank you so much, Tiruna. And I do invite our listeners to download the Conversion Therapy Report on the Center for Human Rights website. Yeah, so maybe start asking questions like what provisions do legal frameworks such as the African Charter on Human and People's Rights have on conversion therapy? And as you listen to this podcast, I would also like you to to start thinking about the shortcomings of these legal frameworks and what can be done to enforce them. This has been Africa Rights Talk with me, Tatenda Musina Hamai. Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues.